welcome. This is the Real Football Podcast. I'm your host, Lenny, aka the Reluctant Cat Daddy. And let's get into it. On today's episode, I'm going to be looking at some final season predictions. So this is it, locked and loaded. That's it. I don't know if I'm going to be changing too many things, but we'll get into that. We're going to be talking about the massive news out of Germany, the FC Hollywood getting rid of Julian Nagelsmann did not see it coming this early I didn't think they would do it mid-season however they have done it they've gotten rid of the young man JN um we'll see what happens with him in the future and who they've brought in they've brought in Tommy T gonna get into that see what what the squad might look like what that means for the rest of the season for them but first things first it is the international break and so I like to take a high level view of what's been happening in the football world during international breaks i'm not too phased by nation league nations league and uh, international frenzies couldn't really be bothered by those things especially after a massive world cup a monumental world cup in which the landscape of football has changed forever um, and we are now entering into a new era i'd like to speak a little bit about that new era because i feel like it's very very recent uh and and quite quite important in terms of what's been happening in the football world in the past two weeks week or so reason being is because i think this is now the officially the erling Haaland versus Kylian Mbappe era um similar to how we had the cr7 versus messi era for the past i don't know 15 years almost 12 to 15 years it's been an absolute incredible ride and i feel like we got a nice fairy tale ending for Lionel Messi the opposite for Cristiano where it was heartbreak and tears ending his his international career at the highest level or pr pretty much just a world cup I don't think he'll get to another world cup but he's is still playing for Portugal right now he literally scored in the friendlies that they played a few days ago and so just getting into this discussion, I do think the kids of now and for the next 10, 10 or so years, they're going to be speaking about Mbappe versus Haaland if they can have the longevity of a CR7 and a Messi. Now, first things first. So for me, I think, and I've dug a little bit into the stats on this one, uh, so it's going to be a numbers-heavy uh, segment of this, of this episode, but I really, really think that Erling Haaland should win the Ballon d'Or as things stand right now he needs to be the guy he's doing he's putting up incredible numbers he's breaking records for Manchester City's Man City's all-time league top scorer at the moment he's he's had the most profitable league league campaign of any Manchester City player in their history he is pretty much nailed on to break the Premier League goal scoring record of 34 goals in a 42 game season of 32 goals in a 38 game season he's probably going to come from Salah's record very very soon um, especially with the way he's been scoring recently he's scored five goals I still cannot believe the, the fact that he scored five goals against RB Leipzig in the Champions League second round in, in the round of 16 just ridiculous stuff and then he followed it up with a hat-trick in the FA Cup to knock Burnley out. I mean, they were always going to beat Burnley, but he scored a hat-trick. He could have had more. And the scary thing about this guy is that you can see there's a lot of his game that can be refined. There's a lot that he can work on. There's a lot of 
uh, especially when it comes to link up play that's the main thing especially in a pep guardiola system where you have phenomenal players all over the place i mean the second I, I even think about this, it kind of irritates me because there's just so many great, great players in that team. You've got guys like Riyad Mahrez, Kevin De Bruyne, obviously. That De Bruyne to Haaland channel has been so, so ridiculous already. And they've only played together for less than a full season. So that's going to be something to watch out for. You've got guys like Gundogan. You've got guys like uh, Riyad Mahrez, Bernardo Silva, uh, Phil Foden, Jack Grealish. You've got contributors all over the park uh, i don't know if jao cancelo is going to come back but it, it, when he was there he was another phenomenal asset uh to their game erling Haaland, he can get better his first touch uh, i think his first touch is actually fantastic it's more so his link up play his passing uh his movement once he gets on the right page with a lot of these guys once they've gelled for a season or two and Man, he, he can get better. And that's really, really scary because he scored 42 goals. 42 goals in all competitions so far this season. He scored 10 in the Champions League. Yes, 50% of that came up against Leipzig, who were just terrible on the night. But they were absolutely shell-shocked. How, what can you do when, when a guy comes along and scores five goals in 35 minutes of game time? What can you do? There's pretty much nothing you can do with someone who has that level of of pure goal scoring instinct in the box he knows where to be at the right time most of those goals came in the six yard box putting yourself in the right place at the right time is an elite instinct you, you can't really teach it you can teach only so much but some of these guys just have it they just have it they have that knack for being at the right place at the right time you hear it time and time again i was hearing this 20 years ago when we were talking about guys like filippo Inzaghi, guys like ruth van nistroy uh just pure goal scorers guys like david trezeguet um thierry henry spoke about this as well uh, in the post-game uh, analysis of the champions league uh tie where Haaland scored five goals and he was talking about guys where he tried to get to that point where he could also just be a pure instinctive um, finisher being in the right places at the right time and he just didn't have it to that extent of a guy like a David Trezeguet but Erling Haaland has that. He has all the physical attributes that you could possibly imagine and he could pot potentially only get a little bit stronger. I don't think he'll, his pace is going to get much, much better at this point in his career. Um, even though he's only 22, but guys don't really get faster from their youth. They usually tend to get slower. But I mean, once that football brain really, really ticks and he's had a lot of experience at the top, top level, he's going to be a phenomenal, just he's going to get better, basically. That's that's the be all and end all. It's bad news for everyone in the Premier League. It's bad news for whichever rival clubs that he goes to in the future, whether that's Real Madrid, whether that could be a Barcelona. He does seem like he wants to journey a little bit. He doesn't seem like he's going to want to stay in one place for too, too long. And that's the only reprieve that any Premier League fans would have out there. We're going to have to see. But right now, I, th I don't think there's even a conversation as to who should win the Ballon d'Or. I think it should be him at this moment in time. Man City, if they were to win the league, and I'll get to my predictions later on, if they were to win the league, I do think that he should win the Ballon d'Or. I think he should win it regardless at this moment because no one else is putting up 42 fucking goals. 
and counting. There's still a maximum of 18 goal, 18 games for Man City to play if he stays fit. I mean, that's if City get to the final of the Champions League, they get to the final of the FA Cup, so on and so forth. They have 11 league games left, and so he could easily finish on, what, 55 goals? This season, very, very, very easily. He has five assists as well. So he's on 47 goals and assists on the season. Just ridiculous, ridiculous, ridiculous. That's in 37 games. The guy's an absolute monster. I think he should be the front runner for the Ballon d'Or. I don't think there should be any conversation because Lionel Messi went and uh, scored seven goals and had three assists in the World Cup. I don't think that should matter as much as what Erling Haaland's been doing this season it'll remain to be seen. We'll see what happens in terms of the actual voting. But the other thing is that this isn't his first, it's his first season in a team with the pressure to win the league every season and the pressure to finally break the duck and win the Champions League. That's a big thing, but he's been doing this. He's been doing this for a long time already. Uh, he's only 22. He scored 86 goals in 89 games at at Dortmund with 23 assists. So that's over a goal and an assist every single game. For his country, he has 21 goals and three assists in 23 games. And in his overall career right now, uh, as of right now, he has he's played 220 professional games. So that includes Mulder and, you know, so on and so forth before he got to Dortmund. That was, it includes uh, Salzburg as well. 177 goals and 41 assists. That's 218 goals and assists in 220 games. The guy's an absolute monster. Watch for that ratio to tip, especially if he stays, if he, and the likelihood that he's not going to be surrounded by world-class talents for the rest of his career is very, very unlikely. Unless he falls off, he's going to have world-class contributors for forever as long as he's producing and he's going to produce he has everything he needs to produce watch for that goals to game ratio to re watch him close that gap and watch that goals and assist ratio to like go over one very 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 soon he just needs what three goals he needs a hat trick in his next game and then next thing you know he's on a goal or an assist every single game ridiculous um and the reason why I say Messi should not win the Ballon d'Or and Erling Haaland should is the club. I mean, the club season matters. We play the club season the vast majority. I mean, that's what happens throughout the season. Internationals here and there, you're not going to be playing as many international games as a club season. And Messi's club season reads like this. So far this season, 32 games, 18 goals, 17 assists. So... Wow, that is, I mean, that's phenomenal. I mean, any other player on the planet, if Kravitschakelia, Kravadona, he himself having this amazing breakout season where he does whatever the fuck he wants over there in Napoli and they're storming Serie A, he doesn't have stats that good. This is Lionel Messi we're talking about here. 35 goals and assists. Uh, in 32 games that's phenomenal stuff that's amazing output but this is still messy and we're talking about the Ballon d'Or here if anyone else is outperforming that and there is someone else outperforming that that level of output Erling Haaland deserves it I mean he deserves it over what Messi's doing in terms of club 
uh, in the country conversation, Messi obviously outshines. He had seven goals and three assists in, what, seven World Cup games. So he's been phenomenal. Uh, on on In the country front, I think he has something like six goals and an assist in friendlies. Um, so he's been destroying it. He's been killing it uh, in terms of the international stage. But, however, however... I don't think it speaks as highly to what Erling Haaland's done, especially since PSG went on in the first round of the Champions League again, um, twice in a row. So in the two seasons that Messi's been there, they've been dumped out in the round of 16 twice. That doesn't bode well. I mean, especially since in the first leg up against Bayern, that Messi and Neymar uh, attack... They looked absolutely toothless until Mbappe rocked up with 10 minutes to go in the game. I know they didn't do much in the second leg, but it, it, I've had this narrative for a while now. That PSG team is Mbappe's team. It's not Messi's team. It's not Neymar's team. And Messi, he seems to just coast through it, get assists, get goals, do his thing. I mean, and then he really turns up for Argentina. I, I still don't think. I think it'll be a bit of a robbery, especially if Haaland really gets, I mean, if he gets 55 goals this season, I, I think he sh absolutely should get the Ballon d'Or. I don't think it should even be a question. But I've mentioned that PSG are Mbappe's team. Uh, and just to speak to what a what an absolute talent this guy is. Um, and I... I he, he scored a brace against the Netherlands. I saw just those two goals in the highlights real quick. And the Netherlands look really poor, but they looked absolutely terrified of this guy. Every time he got the ball, he, they looked terrified of him. Um, they didn't defend very well at all for those two goals. But the, the, po the point remains. Mbappe is 24 years old right now. This season so far, he has 33. He's played 33 games. He has 31 goals and 8 assists. So that's 39 goal contributions uh, throughout the whole season. He's not touching Haaland right now, um, but he had eight goals in the World Cup, two assists. Uh, he scored that hat-trick in the final. I mean, there's nothing. What more can you ask of a young 24-year-old? I think he's just made the captain because Rafael Varane is not going to continue Um with France, I think he was injured or something like that, something to that effect. But I think it, it kind of goes to show at 24 years old, not only is how experienced this guy is. I mean, he's he's played over 350 games. He's played 377 professional games so far in his season at 24 years old. So he'll probably, if he can stay fit, he could easily get to a thousand goal, a thousand games, similar to Messi, similar to. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, he could probably get to a thousand games, and so far in his career, he has two hundred twenty-nine goals for club. He has thirty-eight goals for country. He's now the fifth all-time top scorer for France already. He's won the World Cup. He's scored a hat trick in the final. <laughs> he's he's a fucking phenomenon. He's he's probably what R nine would look like in a in today's climate um just r9 was a bit stronger a little bit stronger similar pace probably not as fast as mbappe mbappe is rapid and quick feet the dribbling ability he's an all-round phenomenal player but the other thing with mbappe is that he gets assist as well in 310 
career games so far, he has 112 assists. And for France in 67 games, he has 24 assists. So that would be the big talking point in terms of Mbappe versus Haaland. Haaland is a ruthless goal-scoring machine. But Mbappe, he gets assists as well. So it's going to be really interesting how this conversation develops. Is Haaland the best player in the world? Is Mbappe the best player in the world? I think the debate is really between those two. There are other players, guys like Vinicius Jr., who I've spoken about. He could absolutely develop into the best player in the world. Especially on the stage of Madrid. He was phenomenal last season. He's been great this season maybe not to the same extent especially since this madrid team does seem to be slowing down they aren't as good especially in spain um but they could still make a, a massive splash in the champions league this is real madrid uh, and they tend to not lose quarterfinals and they tend to not lose finals so i'll get to the champions league uh predictions a little bit later just for a reference point and Kind of, kind of looking at these two young guys' careers so far, um, in comparison to the guys they're pretty much going to be catching and replacing in terms of this wider goat conversation, or maybe not goat conversation because Messi's going to be so hard to catch for either of them or for any footballer for the rest of time. It's going to be a monumental twenty-year journey at the highest level doing the greatest things for the longest time to eclipse the legacy that Lionel Messi has created in the sport. However, never say never. Kylian Mbappe, like I said, he has tremendous goal stats, tremendous assist stats, but let's compare him to the GOAT. Uh, and I've spoken about Haaland's stats as well. So Haaland, just for just for a quick reminder, 177 goals, 41 assists uh, throughout his career. Um, if I were to throw in, and then for country, 21 goals, 3 assists. For Mbappe, that's uh, 229 goals, 112 assists in uh, for club, and 38 goals and 24 assists for country. Uh, Lionel Messi, 800 goals. This is for club and country. So he, he just scored his 800th goal in during this international break, which is a phenomenal achievement. I don't think, uh, considering the way that they uh, count, count competitions, they've taken away uh, something like 300 to 400 of Pele's goals, so uh, so Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo, in terms of the official stats, uh, are higher on that list. They're pretty much up there almost by themselves. 800 goals? Fucking hell. Uh, Mbappe is not close. Uh, Haaland's not even close. Haaland's not even on 200 goals. Mbappe has 202 goals for PSG's, PSG's all-time top goal scorer at 24 years old. Ridiculous. Um... But the real thing with Messi is that he has 390 assists. What? My word. That's that's unbelievable. He has clear over a thousand goal contributions throughout his career. Ridiculous. Let's compare him to the other goal machine, the other parts of this debate that has been raging for at least 12 years now that's finally, finally been closed. Cristiano Ronaldo has... 830 
goals for club and country. He has 268 assists for club and country. So this this is a guy 38 years old. He's still scoring over there in Saudi Arabia. I'm going to count them because it's an official competition, but... That's in uh, close to 1,200 games. So he, he has an, a, an amazing, amazing knack for being at the... I mean, he's Cristiano Ronaldo. I don't need to speak too much about him. Everyone knows him who would be listening to this. Everyone is well aware of what he's been doing. So can... Who will, who will reign... In terms of Mbappe and Haaland, it's more so a, a clash of styles. Haaland, the pure goal scorer. Mbappe, the more all-rounded, uh, well-rounded phenomenon. Pace, they both have pace. Haaland has height. Mbappe has skills. It's it's going to be a really, really interesting debate. I hope they have long, successful careers. Um, and by saying that, I really hope that Mbappe will to randomly come play for the Jurgen Club over here at Anfield for free uh, for one pound a year and win the league five times in a row. Obviously, I'm clearly dreaming. And now, let me move on from this uh, from this conversation. It's it's gonna continue. It's gonna happen week in week out for the rest of either of their careers. Um, Let's move on to something a lot more topical, a lot more recent, something that just, just happened. Julian Nagelsmann has been sacked as Bayern Munich coach. Uh, I did not see this one coming so early in the season. I didn't think they would sack him during the season. It, it happened almost instantly. There were a few rumors that, hey, they didn't like the fact that Nagelsmann was, he went on holiday or something, on a ski trip, something to that effect. Uh, after Bayern had a poor a poor result, they've had a couple of poor results. It could have been after that Leverkusen game. The Oliver Kahn and the boys upstairs were kind of like, "Hey guys, we we can't do this anymore. We're not feel, really feeling the Nagelsmann effect." I don't think he he never really. I don't think that his Bayern team was ever as good as some of the teams from before. Um, uh, I, I don't think they ever really got to, especially the heights of their 2020 team when Serge Gnabry was looking like a world-class player and the rest of the team was just phenomenal. They were humming in every sense uh, uh, on the football pitch. And now Nagelsmann, uh, he, he was looked at as a young, bright coach to come in and really push Bayern forward again last season. I mean, they did well in... The, they they win the league pretty much. They t I'm pretty sure they take the league for granted at this point because they win it that often. Um, but they 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 haven't been doing as well this season. You can kind of tell there's a lot of friction behind the scenes. There was a whole thing with Serge, Serge Gnabry and his uh, essential downfall, his downturn in form. Some uh, some criticism of some of his uh, personal life i know it was he he had time off and he went to paris fashion week or something like that and there was a little bit of uh contentiousness around that so the, it hasn't been happy over there at bayern for uh, pretty much since nagelsmann got there um and so it's pretty natural that they split i figured they would split i didn't think it would happen mid-season this is going to be interesting because the guy that they brought in tommy t tuchel who Last time he got to a massive club who was still in the Champions League. Mid-season, he went and he won it. 
for Chelsea. Uh, he was Dortmund coach a couple of seasons ago. He gave the he gave Bayern their last true run run for their money in terms of the title race. He couldn't get get Dortmund over the line, similar to how Jurgen Klopp could. He fell out at Dortmund. He went to PSG. Fell out at PSG. Went to Chelsea. He didn't fall out. He really steadied the ship. He won them the fucking Champions League. He had them. I mean, they played kind of poor football, really poor football in my eyes, especially last season. But last season, there were uh, mitigating circumstances in terms of the whole ownership situation happening um, with Robin Abramovich and all that. Um, the new guys came in uh, and they decided that Tommy T wasn't for them. They got rid of him. There is a lot of talk around how Chelsea players were like, yo, why the fuck, Tommy T. I mean, he's a world-class manager. Let's, I'll give him his props. He came in, he beat Pep Guardiola three times in a row uh, in for Chelsea to get them to win the Champions League. They beat them in the final. That was the third time they beat them that season. Just He, he, he came in and he had a, a revelation-esque... Uh, change to what Chelsea were doing that season and he really got them going they were very very defensively compact they were fantastic defensively for the majority of that season I mean for essentially that run that he had uh, they couldn't really replicate it the following season they couldn't get any goal scorers but I don't think he's going to have a problem over there at Bayern now here's the thing here's the question to just peek under the hood in terms of the tactics how are they going to set up how are they going to play obviously Manuel Neuer is still out but uh, I think it's Noble he's decent he, he'll do he'll do his job I wonder if he's going to go to a back three I really really wonder because right now Bayern have been playing 4-2-3-1 um, with Musiala Thomas Muller and uh, Kingsley Coman, and they'll swap out between Sadio Mane and uh, Leroy Sane, so on and so forth. And then they had Chippo Martin up top, uh, Joshua Kimmich, and uh, the, the, the Leon Goretzka. Then you'd have Alfonso Davies, uh, Upamakano, Delicht, and Benjamin Pavard. Or Subasic, I think his name is Subasic. I'm not sure uh, what that what that right back's name is. Even Jao Cancelo. So that would be Nagelsmann team. I'm curious to know if Tommy T is going to come along and have them playing a back three. So if you go back three there, you have Upamakano, Delift, and probably Benjamin Pavard, who can play centre back as well as right back. Perfect uh, centre, perfect right sided centre back in a back three because then he'll be fine. Uh, going out wide to defend um, he'll be comfortable going out wide to defend and then will we have Jacques Ancelo and and Davies as the two wing backs and you have Kimmich Goretzka same two in the midfield and then you would have any pick any three of Musiala, Chippo Martin, Thomas Muller Leroy Sane, Sadio Mane, and Kingsley Coman. So whichever three who are on fire at that moment, you play them up top. I think that could work, especially in the Champions League. I really, really think that if... And Tommy T has gotten the better of Pep Guardiola a couple of times. Um, he has a really good record against Pep Guardiola. And now we're starting to lean into the Champions League. So I'll get a little bit more into that tie in a second. But first things first... 
what does this mean for the Bundesliga? What does this mean for the Champions League as well? It's going to, I'm pretty sure it's going to kick a lot of those uh, Bayern players up the ass to be like, okay, sweet, now I need to really earn my spot because Tommy T will drop you. If he, if he doesn't like the way Leroy Sané's shoulders are, are slumping, when he misses an opportunity, he will drop you. And there are players there. I, I'm pretty sure a guy like Sane, a guy like Sergio Nabry, those two are going to, uh, they, they might be having sleepless nights because Tommy T don't play that shit. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens, um, what kind of starting teams. And he's he has the classic, he has Dortmund up first game next Saturday. It's going to be, oh man, I'm really, really looking forward to this game. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be a pretty game because Tommy T he doesn't necessarily play the most gorgeous football based upon his Chelsea team. Um, and so it's going to be interesting. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to see what happens here. I do think, and I thought this before, but I do think Dortmund fuck up and Bayern win the title. That's my first prediction of the top four leagues. I'm going to be getting into those. Um, yeah, so I do think Bayern are going to win the league. Uh, it's pretty much it. In Syria and La Liga, there is nothing to predict because Barcelona is 12 points clear of Real Madrid right now. So they're pretty much wrapped up the title. I'm pretty sure Madrid are just going to focus on the Champions League, which makes the Champions League a lot more interesting uh, or uninteresting, depending on the way that you look at it. And Napoli are, what, 19 points clear of Lazio in, in Syria. So... Yeah, the, those two leagues are wrapped up. There's there's nothing to uh, nothing to really predict there. Uh, I could try predict the top fours. Um, I, I believe it's between Betis and Sevilla, a big big rivalry, uh, in terms of who will who will make top four uh, along with the usual suspects, Atleti, Real Madrid. So uh, there might be some jeopardy there in terms of Serie A, Milan, and Inter should be shoe ins. We'll see what Lazio do. Um, and I think Juventus, after that points deduction, they're way too far off to actually make Champions League. They could, but I doubt it. Highly, highly doubt it. Uh, in terms of the Premier League, I think this one's the interesting one. Um, in terms of the Premier League, I've said it time and time again. I've said it over and over again. If Arsenal can avoid defeats at the Etihad when they go there in a couple weeks time then Arsenal will win the league now if City win that game and let's say they get knocked out by Bayern in the in the quarterfinals of the Champions League I think City re-up in the league they that's the only thing they have to focus for focus on that's the only thing they have to fight for they will give Arsenal the run of their lives, the the race of their lives. So, oh man! So it, it all depends on what happens in in the Champions League for City, as well as that one game. So it's essentially three games that are going to decide the Premier League title for me. If City win at the Etihad and they go through. Against Bayern, I think they lose the title. If they win at the Etihad and they beat and they lose to Bayern, they're definitely going to win the league. If if they lose at the Etihad and they lose against Bayern, they 
probably lose the league. So it's a tough one. It's a it's a really, really tough one. I think, and this is kind of bleeding over into my Champions League predictions, but uh, who cares? Uh, spoilers. Spoilers don't matter right here. Um, I think City lose against Bayern. I think the Tommy T effect uh, and setting Bayern up in a back three with uh, with the help of the wing backs, Jao Cancelo doing whatever the fuck he wants to try and show Pep that, hey, I'm supposed to be that guy. I think Bayern edge City out. It might be a tight one, something like a 4-3 on aggregate, a 3-2 on aggregate, something of that nature, even on penalties. Bayern go through, City beat Arsenal, and then they chase them down. And Arsenal might just wobble when they really, really shouldn't. They could go to an Anfield because they still need to come to Anfield, drop points when they really shouldn't. And then City might just catch them up within the last three match days. It's it's going to be close and it's going to be heartbreaking. But I, I kind of think, considering the way Erling Haaland is scoring right now, City could very well win 11, win 10 out of their next 11 games and win the league. So I'm predicting City to win the title. I don't want to, but that's what I'm predicting. To round it up with the top four, uh, so it'll be City, Arsenal, United will make it either in third or fourth. And I think... Uh, Hand on heart here, Liverpool make it as well. I think Spurs are an absolute mess considering Conte, Conte's um, uh, his, his post-game interview the other day. And I don't know if they'll sack him. They probably should. Um, but I don't know if they'll sack him. They, I heard a rumor that they're looking for uh, looking at Julian Nagelsmann. If I'm Nagelsmann, I might just chill and wait for the Real Madrid job. Because if Carlo Ancelotti is like, eh, I don't mind, I'll go coach Italy or something. Yeah, I think uh, Nagelsmann would be a shoe-in for the Madrid job. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens with uh, Spurs. But I think Spurs are pretty much a mess. And I don't think Newcastle will have enough in the tank to complete a top four bid i think liverpool it's it's not ours to lose but we should have enough to get there hopefully if we can sort our shit out defensively we'll see what happens um on to the champions league knockout so i've spoken about Bayern versus city i say i think city get edged out here tommy t another tactical masterclass up against pep guardiola and then he goes through on the same side of that drawer uh, on the same side of that bracket, I see Madrid beating Chelsea. I think Chelsea will have a fantastic one leg. They have one leg where it looks like Chelsea are going to do this. Um, they've had the knack of beating Madrid, and then Madrid are just going to claw them back in the in whichever other leg. So very similar to last season where Madrid won 3-1 at, at the bridge, and then I believe Chelsea, Chelsea were up 3-0 in the Bernabeu and then Madrid came back and scored those two goals to go through. Uh, I think it's going to be a similar story to that where Chelsea really, really, they're fantastic in one leg. And then the second leg, they really let themselves down. It's going to be a quick, a, a very small sample size that you can extrapolate upon their whole season, just inconsistency. And I think that'll be their season done. So I'm predicting Bayern versus Madrid uh, in the Champions League semi-final. It's going to be a titanic clash. This is the, uh, uh, I don't know what they call it, but there's a name for it uh, in Spain. 
for this particular game because it's like the Bayern are essentially Real Madrid's international rivals because the, these two, they play each other very, very often because they're both two behemoths of the game. Um, and between those two, I think Madrid just get it done. I, I don't think Tommy T and the lads are going to be able to get over the line there because they will be focusing on beating Dortmund in the Bundesliga which is going to end up being an easy task because Dortmund tend to shoot themselves in the foot when whenever they're whenever they have an opportunity to win something big so I do think that Madrid go through there they're in their second Champions League final in two years and on the other side of the bracket it's Benfica up against Inter. I think Inter just shade this one they should house their way through Benfica should actually win this tie considering that they were in the quarterfinals last season and they gave us a great run for their money from for our money. But I think Inter just get their way through and Napoli, uh, they dust up Milan. I think they're going to smack them around. It's not going to be... I mean, there's no easy ties in the Champions League quarterfinals, but I think Milan get that business done. Napoli versus Inter, I think Inter give them a proper run for their money. It's going to be a fight. They're going to do whatever they can to slow that team down. But Osimhen, Cravadona, they get it done. They go through to the Champions League final. It's going to be Real Madrid going for their 15th Champions League trophy. I mean, bear this in mind. Arsenal are one of the biggest clubs in the world. One of the the big three in terms of trophies and history in England. Arsenal have 13 league titles. Real Madrid have 14 Champions League trophies. That's how big of a club Real Madrid are. They have more Champions League trophies than Arsenal have league titles. That's how... That's... Oh, that's a wild... That's a wild, wild reality. However, up against... Minos Napoli. Napoli are not a, a well-endowed European club at all in terms of their history. What they've been able to do in the competition is basically nothing. And so when up against the absolute titans of Real Madrid, lowly Napoli, even though they have a, a lightning in a bottle this season with the team that they have and the, the amount of chemistry and consistency that they've been able to play with this season, I think it could finally, finally, finally be the upset that we've all been looking for, that I've been looking for, especially um, having lost two two finals to Real Madrid with my beloved, beloved over the past five years. I think it's finally going to be the time when Real Madrid get their comeuppance and they lose to Napoli on penalties. It's, it's essentially Diego Maradona's farewell slash well not farewell but his perfect season where Argentina win the World Cup Napoli win the league and the Champions League it's going to be one of those um and the Diego Maradona stadium over there in Naples is going to go absolutely ballistic it's going to be scenes it's going to be one of those fairy tale seasons that we look back upon kind of similar to the Porto team or the the these style Bucharest teams and Nottingham Forest teams. It's going to be one of those stories. It, it's been a long time since we've had that Port, that Porto Champions League win was 19 years ago. I know Liverpool, the team afterwards, 2005 team, is probably an even bigger upset. But in terms of the name, 
Liverpool at the time, four Champions Leagues, Porto just the one. Uh, I think this Napoli team, they could, they have that fairy tale dust. They've got the luck of the draw. If they can get through those teams, they have a chance. And I think they might just do it. But that's just me being optimistic and hoping, <laughs> praying for a Real Madrid downfall, at least in a final at some point in our lifetimes. Otherwise, they're going to win their 15th. And next thing you know, they're going to have 20 Champions Leagues at the end of this decade. And no one wants to see that. No one wants to see that. I want to see Kravadon and Osimhen holding up the Big Ears trophy running around uh, just just in absolute scenes in Naples. That's That's what I want to see. Um, but anyways, uh, enough of what I want to see. Um, I, I am very much looking forward to this weekend coming up. City versus Liverpool. First things first, uh, we've got Bayern versus Dortmund. And then we've got Titanic Champions League clashes soon after that. So it's going to be a great, uh, great next week of football. Um, definitely going to be, uh, speaking about it as it comes. And yes. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, days and thems, I leave you. I hope you have a fantastic day whenever this reaches your ears and take care. <laughs>